There we go. Good evening. Good to be here on Good Friday. Amen. Hopefully everybody's had a great day today. But uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you come into this place tonight. Father, we've got distractions of what this weekend's going to bring. And Father, we ask that we can focus on what you have for us to hear tonight. And Father, may we remember that you defeated death and walked out that tomb. And Father, may we celebrate that tonight. All this in your name. Amen. Merciful Savior. 
Amen. We are here tonight because Almighty God loves you. He loves you so much that He gave His Son to die on a cross for me and you, for our wickedness, for our evilness, for the ways that we live our life. And if we believe in Him, God's Word says, we shall not perish but have everlasting life. Praise God tonight for sending His Son. Praise God tonight for His Son being obedient unto death, death on a cross. In recent weeks, we've been uncovering the hope of, of some of the Old Testament writers, the, the, the hope that they found in a New Testament Savior that was yet to be born, one that they talked about, one that they wrote about. We found hope in the, the writings of the psalmist and in Jeremiah and Isaiah. Last week, we saw the the, the hope of Zechariah when he prophesied about Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And that all started into place Holy Week, what we call Passion Week. Today on Friday, we've come near to the end of the Passion Week. Reflecting back through the, through the week, Sunday, remember Jesus was hailed as the Messiah. It was a great parade. They, they threw down palm branches celebrating the new Messiah, their Savior, that was parading into Jerusalem. Monday, Jesus returned to the temple, and, and that day He drove out the money changers and, and turned over the, the tables in, in retaliation of them making profits inside of the temple. Tuesday, He taught in parables and, and warned the people about the Pharisees. He predicted the uh, the destruction of the temple, and he, he warned about the future. He warned them about what was going to happen, and, and he told them that he was coming back. He was trying to tell him that what the future would hold and that he would one day come back. And then on Wednesday, Wednesday seems to be a day of rest for Jesus and his disciples. There's nothing recorded in the Gospels of, of that day. No events take place, at least that were noted. And then it brings us into Thursday. We go back and look at the Old Testament prophet Zechariah. In chapters 11, 12, and 13, uh, he prophesies of the, uh, of the events that take place on Thursday and, and Friday. <clears throat> Jesus shares Passover with his disciples. He prepares himself and, and tries to prepare his disciples for his death, for he knows what's coming. He knows what's going to take place that night. And he tries to, to prepare his disciples. He gave the Passover meal a new meaning that night. Tonight we're going to share in the Lord's Supper. I encourage you to take your, your bread and and juice and, and prepare it and get it ready for the Lord's Supper. You see that night on the Passover meal as, as Jesus was, <clears throat> was eating with His disciples, he, he took the loaf of bread and, and He broke it and He said, this represents my body. That was soon going to be sacrificed for each of, each of you and ultimately for each one of us. 
he went on and took the wine and poured it. And he said, this wine represents the blood that was, that'll be shed for you. Not only for his disciples and followers of that day, but for me and you in this day. For people yet to be born is yet to come to, to the knowing salvation of Jesus Christ. That, that bread and that wine, that his body and his blood was given, was broken for, for us for the forgiveness of our sin, so that we could have the hope of eternal life. Paul tells us in, in 1 Corinthians, though, that we, before we come to the Lord's table, before we take part in the sacraments and the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, that we need to examine our hearts, that we need to look deep into our heart and and. And identify that sin in our life. Those ways in our life that aren't pleasing to God, that are out of step with God. And we all have them. And so Jesus calls us to, to look in, inward and, and reflect on who we are and how we're living and what we're doing and, <clears throat> and confess our sinfulness back to Him. So that our hearts might be pure in a way that we can come to the Lord's table. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 through 29. He says, So then whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment upon themselves. Tonight, as I make my way down to the table, I want to ask you to join me in a time of meditation to just reflect on your life, your ways, and make that silent confession to the Lord. Come to a time of repentance and confession. Let's join together in prayer.
Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For I have received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Almighty God, we come to you this evening. God, searching our hearts, bringing to you, Lord, our waywardness and our iniquities, our sinfulness, seeking forgiveness. God, tonight we thank you so much. So grateful, God, for, for your obedience unto death, for giving your body, for shedding your blood, paying the price that we should have paid ourselves. And we just thank you tonight, God, that you loved us so much to do that. Father, our words, our hearts, our thoughts can never understand your love. And our ability to communicate our gratefulness, God, we're unable to do that. But Father, tonight, we come with you to your table, thanking you for giving your body and your blood for us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The body of Christ broken and given for you. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The blood of Jesus poured out for you and me for the forgiveness of sin. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. After the meal, it says they, they went out and sang a hymn as they were going out to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus prayed and prayed in agony, praying in a way that brought blood through his body. And Jesus, even knowing his disciples would, would fail him. And even knowing what was awaiting him in the cross, he knew that just within a few hours, the torture that he was going to face, but yet he brought his disciples and, and led them beyond their circumstances to praise God. He says they went out and sang a hymn. Let's stand and sing, for he and he alone is worthy. Amen.
Maybe you're facing something in your life that you know is coming into your life. Maybe there's a difficulty laying ahead of you or a situation you're trying to work out in, in your life or in your family. God tells us here to look beyond the circumstances and praise God even in the storms. That's what He led His disciples to. May we follow after that. All of that happened on Thursday night. It leads us up to, to Friday, what we call Good Friday, but nothing about it sounds too good, does it? It doesn't make sense to call today Good Friday in light of everything that takes place. Following Jesus' betrayal and arrest and the desertion and His false trials and condemnation and beatings, His torture and, and mockery, Jesus was, requi- was required to carry His own cross to Calvary. There He hung on a tree, crucified between two thieves. As required by law, Jesus' body was placed in a tomb before 6 p.m. that night. That was the beginning of Sabbath. And once Sabbath started, all, all work had to cease. Listen to how the Old Testament prophet Isaiah describes. How he describes in detail the events of Good Friday. The suffering and the glory of the servant Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13, beginning in verse 13, he says, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so dis- was disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations. The king will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. Chapter 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been received? Revealed. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to Him. Nothing in His appearance that that we should desire Him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, He was despised. And we esteemed Him not. Surely He took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. 
And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of many people he, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous servant will, ju be, will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will be divided among the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Isaiah in his, in his prophecy describes in detail the, <clears throat> the torture and the suffering that, that Christ would endure for us. He was beaten. That was fulfilled in Matthew 27, 30 and 31. It says they spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they mocked him, they took off his robe and put, put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to be crucified. Blows to the head produce swelling and, and bruising and disfigures their appearance. He was flogged and scourged. Fulfilled in John 19.1. As then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. Jesus was tied to a post and, and whipped with a leather strap. And, and at the end of that strap were iron balls and, and, and pieces of bone designed to tear the skin and shred the underlying muscle from the bone. It was designed to bring the victim to near death. It resulted in shock and major blood loss. And Christ was mocked and a crown of thorns was pressed upon His brow. Matthew 27, 29. And then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on His head. They put a staff in His right hand then they knelt in front of Him and mocked Him. Hail, King of the Jews! They said, the heavy robe that they placed on him would have stuck to his bloody flesh and torn more skin off when they took it off. More pain and bleeding resulted of the crown being, being pressed down into his scalp with up to one inch thorns. He was forced to carry his own cross. John 19, 17. He's carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. His crossbeam that he carried could have weighed up to 100 pounds. It was tied over his, 
bloody and raw and shredded shoulders. And this, along with the dehydration and exhaustion, would have made him collapse. That's where you see the helper alongside him. After he made it to the hill of Golgotha, he was crucified. Matthew 27, 35 says, When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Iron spikes, five to six inches long, were, were driven into his wrist and into his feet. It would have severed major nerves and hanging with his wrist above his head would have made it difficult to exhale the, his oxygen. Pushing up on his nail-pierced feet, it would allow breathing, but more and more the breathing became difficult, ultimately impossible, to the point that he ultimately gave up his life. Matthew 27, 50 says, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Heart failure brought on by shock and suffocation led Jesus to ultimately give up his spirit. He looked dead. He appeared dead. But the Roman soldiers knew that if he was not dead, that they would pay the price of death themselves. And so the soldier spear, speared him in the side to confirm his death. John 19.34 says, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus aside with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. That flow of blood and, and water suggests that the spear ruptured the sack around the heart and then ultimately the heart itself. But it was the power of the cross. It's the power of the cross that allowed Christ to become the sin for us. It was the power of the cross that took our sin away. That is what we see in the power of the cross.
The power of the cross. cross. Christ became sin for us. He took the blame. He bore the wrath. And we stand forgiven at the cross. Oh, to see my name written in His wounds. For through your suffering, I am free. Death is crushed to death. Life is mine to live, one through your selfless love. Oh, the power of the cross. Amen. You know, we can't appreciate Sunday without first experiencing Friday. We can't experience the joy of Easter without first appreciating what took place on Good Friday. Oh, the cross. On the cross, Christ was slain for us. Jesus laid His life down so that we can live. In John chapter 10, He writes, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. Folks, it's Friday. He laid His life down on the cross. But Sunday's coming. Amen.